Episode 6, Reverend Bianca Luna interviews Urban Grace congregant Willie Stewart. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining us on The Last Stop. Uh, Our guest today is Willie Stewart, who has been a longtime member at Urban Grace Church. Um, Willie, thanks so much for being here. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Um, My first question for you is just tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us a glimpse into who you are, identities you hold that have a deep significance into your personhood. Well, first of all, I'm thrilled to be here, and thank you for the invitation. Who is Willie Stewart? I'd like for everyone to know, without a doubt, I'm a native Texan. Secondly, I'm an educator. Thirdly, I'm also committed to the United States Army military. I've served public education for 37 years, 36 of them in the state of Washington, one in the state of Texas, active duty with the military for two years, a military reservist for 30 years, retired as the deputy commander of the 50th General Army Hospital at Fort Lauderdale with the rank of Colonel 06. What I'd like to be known for is a person who, has, who loves people, loves kids. And my, one of my greatest joys that really would identify me is the fact that people will tell you where, when you've had an experience with him, you will never forget him because he's warm, friendly, and will let you know how great Texas is. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. Well, thank you. That's a perfect glimpse into who you are. You answered that question perfectly. Um, how long have you been at Urban Grace Church for? In April of 2024, I will have been here since 1963. So that goes over 60 years. And uh, I came uh, when we had services night and day, or morning and evening worship. I was here when we had over 400 members. I'm here now with less than 150. And I've seen many changes, but nothing has changed in terms of my commitment to Christ and what he means to make America a great place. That's awesome. What, um, what are all the different roles that you've had when you've been at this church? I've had the roles, as, first of all, as a Sunday school teacher. I've had the role as being the president of the congregation. I've had the role as just being a, a trustee. I have served on selection committees for, for, for ministers because we've had several changes since 1963. And I've been active with the community breakfast that for the men, the, well, Thursday morning breakfast, we'll call that community breakfast. The Thursday morning breakfast used to be for men only. I'm glad we're now updated and we're co-educated and understand that women are well uh, invited to come. But I've been doing that since roughly 1996. Uh, the community breakfast, what we have now that serves on Sunday mornings, I've been involved with that since 1995. Um, and I've taken on a greater role of being the coordinator of the program and also more recently taken on the role of the procurement of the food to be served each Sunday. So that's been my life of Urban Grace Church, from First Baptist to Urban Grace. Wow, that's, that's amazing. You've done a lot here, and we're very appreciative of that. Kind of digging more into the diversity aspect of it all, is, as a person of color, do you feel accepted here at Urban Grace? Totally accepted. But let me say when you speak to that, uh, I come with a different background in that I had served in an integrated military. I served in an integrated school system. And so therefore, 
I was very comfortable being in the group, and primarily because of my role when I came, that that removed barriers. Here was one who was not just one. Here was one who might have as much education as I do or an influence. And since I was the in personnel and principalship, many of the person who were educated in the district came through me for jobs. So consequently, there was a natural barrier broken. And then I allowed myself to be engaged with the church through different activities. So at no time did I feel it, but I could think that I could sense that there would be those who might would be apprehensive at times until they get a chance to really know you. Yeah. Because weren't you also the, were you, I think I heard this, weren't you the first black president in Tacoma? Not the first black president, but I was the first black principal in Tacoma. (laughs) And that that happened in 1970. And it was interesting you mentioned that because uh, in that July issue of the of the News Tribune, and I still have a copy, the headline read, Tacoma names its first Negro principal. Then 25 years later, they said this is a 25th year celebration of the first African-American principal. So that was some education from one point. But I was not offended because it was quite common all over the country. That was a way of that. So that didn't bother me. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you broke a lot of those barriers. So to be the first one, that's really cool. But also, to me, that feels really scary. It, it was. But, you know, there was an amazing thing. I felt that God was involved in my life. Because when I think in terms of this, this scenario that I went through in order to get there, it was his guidance. Because, number one, I didn't have any, even any interest in being a principal. And a gentleman came to me, a Caucasian gentleman, and said, you have too much talent to just stay in the classroom. You need to really procure administration. And then I made that decision to do that. But before that, um, I, was on, I was going to summer camp, and the superintendent left a message at my, with my wife on Monday night to call him on Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock, and I was in Utah en route, and I called at 10 o'clock, and he just, quite bluntly, I would like to name you as the assistant principal at Gall Junior High. Would you accept? That was the interview. And I said yes, <laughs> and the rest is history. But when I found out later, there were other persons who had prompted him about my skills and my performance, and that it was time for this district to move forward. So in addition to being the first assistant principal of African-American, I was also the first person who became a principal. 1966 was the first year of being an assistant. 1970 was my first year as a principal. Uh, And that was a principal. In that time, it was Lincoln High School with an enrollment of uh, 2,000 students that first year. The next year dropped 300 because we opened a new school, Henry Foss, that took some of the students, which is typical when a new school is built, students will come from the existing schools. Wow, that's... That's really cool. Um, My next question for you, Willie, is since there's always ways to improve, what would you suggest as a way our church can take that next step towards being more multicultural? Okay. I I think we we might be overreaching when we think that more needs to be done. I would like you to step back and recognize the history of the integration of churches are multicultural. And I think the church has already taken that step by, if you just listen to the announcements each Sunday or the welcome each Sunday, it never changes. It's an inclusive message. And I think it's followed up 
with the passing of the peace asking for changes. Um, I think that the key to it is make sure that all of us, all of us, that means a person of color too, are warm and open to anyone who enters the door. Now, I approach it this way because, you see, most persons worry about how many persons will come to a predominantly white church, but no one talks about the other direction. And I'll, I'll give you two illustrations of this. Uh, Calvary Baptist Church on, on uh, Pacific Avenue was an ultra-conservative Baptist church, and, and uh, they invited another group to worship with them in a church, a Spanish group. That group is now so small, they've sold that church to the Spanish group, and the Spanish are having a great time. And that Spanish congregation is a group that was worshiping a life Christian. So there's a time that people of different cultures just feel more comfortable with their cultures. But the key is, is if you have the type of programs, and I think we do, the type of sermons, the type of programs, we are inclusive. Now, there's always room for improvement. But I think if we really want to improve, it's not so much of what we're doing here now, it's what we're doing outside of here. Uh, I've had persons ask, where is there a church I can worship when I come to Tacoma and live in a hotel? So I would like to see a little more uh, marketing with pamphlets and whatnot into different businesses and into different uh, hotels. It used to be that we had a news tribune paper that would carry every Friday an opportunity for persons to know what services are in an area. So we need some type of outlet beyond social media. And I think that one of the weaknesses that we have learned out on social media, but we keep forgetting the unavailability of that to a lot of people. And some people just don't have interest in social media because they always think in terms of that which is negative about it. So consequently, I, I think that we shouldn't sit down and say we're very comfortable with the way we are but I think we can keep going. Maybe one other thing might be more visibility at the community preference. I don't mean volunteers, but just occasionally members coming in and, and, and welcome them, being around and visit with them, and make sure we have the same facility levels of cleanliness and lavatory facilities for the homeless as we have for the regular members. Yeah, that's really important. Yeah, I was thinking about that, and I was like, from you got here in 1963, You've probably have seen a lot of improvement, right? A lot of growth since then? Yeah, I, I think that, well, actually, when you think in terms of from 63, there are only about five of us are left in the, alive from that area, <laughs> and certainly in the church. So the growth has really been from the last 10 years because they're basically every new, and they're all young person, basically. Uh, when I say young, I'm thinking to not age, but in experiences of understanding what the, what the typical community is. So they are conscious of the key words of what to say, not to say, the acceptance of gender and everything else. So I would say, yes, the church has, not because the church had a leadership program, but just a natural inclusion of new people into the congregation. Thank you. Um, for question number five, this is kind of digging a little bit into Liliana's uh, episode that she recorded uh, just before this one. Um, this is episode five, where she talks about unconscious biases. And we know that everyone has them, and she, she touches a bit on that in her episode. And I know I personally have heard people say things like, Oh, I don't see color, or I don't judge a book by its cover, or I don't, I don't judge people until I get to know them. But when you think of like they think they're exempt somehow from bias, which is crazy. Um, 
So my question to you, Willie, is when you hear someone say something like that, how do you respond? Depending upon who the person is, whether I know them, total, I try to evaluate who I'm responding to. Because once you let out a word, you can't take it back. So I often will say to the person, I, I recognize that that person has shortcomings right away for, with that. But I try to take it and turn it into lemonade. For example, like the other day, I went in to get some stuff from the cleaners. And the woman called me by another name. And I said, no, this is Willie Stewart. Oh, you look just like the guy I was thinking about. Well, I knew. <laughs> then this catch up for the case. Yeah. Um, then someone who's out of education, for example, if you want to highly insult, is call a black adult a boy or a girl. Because our whole pattern has been we were never men. Mm -hmm. We were always a boy or an uncle. Never recognized for that age group. And... Some people react that way because they want to, they think they're defending themselves, that they're okay. You shouldn't have to say, let your actions speak, not your words. And many people say that, and they, they're sincere. Don't, because something comes out from a person, you can't say that person is biased or unbiased. But you continue the conversation, you'll find out. And I'm more concerned about how the person reacts over a period of time than just the one time. Um, but we have to be very cautious. But most people who have tendency to say that, they do have a problem. Or, for example, another person here who claims, who really feels that she, she has no hesitation about reactions, but during the time of the George, George Floyd crisis, when the group came out and said uh, Black Lives Matter, rather than to recognizing what they were talking about, that person responds, well, white lives matter, all lives matter. Well, the intent was not to identify a specific group of all people. It was merely saying at this current time, persons were being treated as their lives were not important and then their names being black. The same thing is played out in the athletic world when the quarterback kneeled during the time of the national anthem, but his statement was that he was protesting the police brutality in this country. He was removed from his team, lost $10 million from a contract, and then later on, the commission of football said he made a mistake. The only one, and only one company in the whole country with, supported him and, and kept his commercial, and that was uh, Nike. And I knew thousands of persons who bought Nike shoes, stopped wearing them, and went to uh, Armour, another group. So sometimes... Um, we think that we're okay, and we'll act out, and this really shows that we're not okay. So I would be the last one to say that you don't have it, I, but I'm more concerned about what is the reaction of that person in the real world, action to me. Uh, are they polite? Do they shake my hand? Do they speak? Do they, or not? Uh, so, and, and, and I also want you to know that today is different. I can still remember, I could walk down the street, in the street, I don't care who the person was, you could say good morning and they respond. Independent of color, it doesn't matter. You can walk down the street and say good morning, people keep walking. Somehow, if something's happened to our society, well, we are not, we are afraid of each other, and it's not a racial thing, it's just a cultural thing that's unfortunately has overtaken our country at this time in relationships. Yes, there's problems there. But uh, I wouldn't see that as a major concern for Urban Grace. Yeah, totally. I know sometimes when, when someone says good morning to me when I'm walking down the street, 
I'm like caught off guard and I'm pleasantly surprised and it like puts a smile on my face and it it makes my day a little better, but it's always really shocking because it just doesn't happen very often. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Um, my next question for you is um, also in the episode before this one, Liliana gives some strategies uh, in the episode on how to put a check on unconscious biases, like to share your story and listen to stories of others, avoid stereotypes and overgeneralizations, separate feelings from facts, have a diverse group of people around for decisions making at the table, practice self-reflection, become an active ally, and practice empathy. What is something else you would include on this list? Or what is one thing on this list that you really would like to highlight? Well, I think the first thing you do, try to make sure that if you're discussing something that's going to impact people, the participants ought to be diverse. You shouldn't have one, uh, one sexual group or one ethnic group all alike trying to discuss problems that are going to affect a multitude of persons. Uh, it's just, for example, for years, you never had a trial that was exclusively one color. I mean, you've had it for one color. Now every time there's a trial, they try to make sure there's a mixture of age and ethnicity because that present has a perception, real or unreal, you know, in the minds of someone that if the, if the person's of the same color, that they're going to get a break if the person is a judge and whatnot. So we have to remove the fears. That sometimes we have to make decisions just for to make sure we are outwardly trying to display what is best and what is appropriate. And, and, it, and that becomes real. Uh, for example, one of the things that's in, you know, we have 32 major football franchises, and for a long time there was not a single coach of a color of, of, of any ethnic group. So now we have them of Hispanic, we have them of, of, of a mixed race, and we have them of African-American. It's showing that we can show that all persons can make a contribution. All persons can make leadership. So I think that's the thing we have to show but yet we also want to make sure we do the right thing for the development of talent. I've seen another scope where a person was selected just because of the color, they knew that person was a failure. So they use that as an illustration, see, I told you so. Mm. So it's a, it's a, it has to come from the heart yeah. and that to be right. And I think that for us, we're supposed to represent the principles of Christianity. And I think that's what separate us, should separate us from other groups and we should, Remember the golden rule. We, we have the scripture before us, how our behavior should be, how our words should be, what should come out of our mouths, and that should control us. And I think it, it, it's the long term of being consistent. If you can be the consistent person Monday through Friday and Saturday, then you're going to be fine. I still remember in our office uh, working there, we had uh, a person who was very active in the Lutheran church, and she knew I was a hard-shelled Baptist, and, and work got hectic around Thursday or Friday. And I, when she gets a little upset, I say, remember, Sunday is coming. And <laughs> she's going to be going to church and worship. So you've got to have, on Friday, you have to be prepared for Sunday. So we have to watch our behavior seven days a week, 24-7. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, best, that's the best thing in order to remove any stereotype. And let's also, let's be honest, 
there are some people that's just going to take time for them to change. Yeah. And the change has to come from the, from the heart. You can, you can legislate as much as you want to. You can do everything else. And one of the challenges we face right here now in our community is, where should the tiny house be? It's not in my neighborhood. Where should the tent city be? Not in my neighborhood. Where should the low-income housing be? Not in my neighborhood. So we have a lot of challenges in terms of that, that are real. And, and these are Christians who have to be involved in those decisions. It's just not uh, uh, the person who would not be considered unchristian. So we have to walk our talk. Wow, very true. Um, Willie, do you have any more final thoughts or comments you'd like to share with us before we wrap up this episode? Yeah, I think that we should continuously offer diverse programs because what you're trying to do is attract people to accept Christ. And to me, that is very critical. Also, you're showing that you want that people are welcome here at Urban Grace. Uh, I was pleased last year. Uh, we, we had a group with Big Brothers Big Sisters, and we needed a place to meet for once, a, once a month, and uh, went to the manager of the building. You're welcome. We met right in this room, and it was a great thing. And in fact, these, these persons go through the community, talk about Urban Grace. In fact, I was with the Mahogany Cancer Group of Black Females, and they were talking about they had a function here once and how well they were received. So I just said, keep marking our place, keep opening our place, and keep with the message of being positive. Don't stop. Well, thanks so much for talking with us and just sharing your wisdom and just your rich history of your life and your legacy and just who you are in Christ and who you are to so many people in Tacoma. Well, thanks so much, friends, for tuning in to The Last Stop. We'll have another episode for you coming again real soon.